Good morning, I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and I want to invite you to this special summer worship celebration. Ready Vacation Bible School friends? One, two, three. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church. Yay! Our first scripture lesson comes from the letter of James, beginning at verse 2. My brothers and sisters, do you, with your acts of favoritism, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the one who is poor you say, stand there or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that He promised to those who love Him. But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson for today is taken... From 1 Peter, we are in the second chapter. We are reading verses 1 through 10. That is 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10. Listen for the word of the Lord. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house 
to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying down in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people." in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in 2004... You may remember there was a documentary from an independent filmmaker whose name was Morgan Spurlock, and he made a documentary called Supersize Me. Uh, It got a lot of press, got some attention for the the documentary, uh, followed his journey as he ate at McDonald's for 30 days straight, every meal, He had certain criteria he had to fill and make. He had to have every item on the McDonald's menu at least once in that 30 days. He did it all in the first nine days. He could only eat from the menu, couldn't bring other stuff in. He could have water. They had bottled water there, and that was okay. And so by the end of that, oh, and the whole reason for supersize me, He wouldn't ask at that time, supersizing, you could um, supersize your meal, make everything bigger. He said he wouldn't ask, but if he was asked, he had to accept the supersize. So if nobody said anything at the cashier, he wouldn't say anything, but they said, would you like to supersize that? And he would say, I'm afraid so. And so by the end of that time, What do you think happened? (laughs) Was he in better shape or worse shape? Well, of course, he was in worse shape. He gained some 25 pounds. His body fat index increased like 13%. He had a variety of, of relatively minor but different ailments as a result. He noticed his personality and mood were different. And it took him nearly a year, it was 14 months, to lose the weight thanks to his girlfriend who then put him on a vegan diet. She was a chef, so she took care of him. And the whole whole context of that was to point out that fast food is bad for you. Did, Did we all learn something from that experience? Well, yes, and of course you're curious, what really will it do to you if you eat it all the time? We're kind of talking about some of the equivalency in a spiritual sense in our passage in Peter today. 
First uh, Peter, first and second Peter, we, we believe generally tradition holds that the apostle Peter wrote them. Uh, and really it's dealing with issues of persecution around the time of Nero, 62, 64, something like that, when Christians were being persecuted. And Peter was writing to them to say, hang on, be steadfast. God is with you. Root yourself in Christ to continue to give the message to those who may be wavering as the culture has closed in around them and their Christian beliefs. So here we have several things going on that Peter is alluding to. First, get rid of the junk, malice, guile, insincerity, envy, slander. Look for this spiritual milk. I'll get back to that. He then talks about the living stone, Christ being the cornerstone. We've heard that before. And then finally, we are a royal priesthood. We, and when I say we, I don't mean me as clergy and all other clergy. I mean us. Peter means us. So I want to take a couple of these one at a time. <clears throat> like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you will grow into salvation. Now this is Peter. Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, 2, talks about milk as if we are immature. You, you, are, you are infants, you haven't, you, you're on milk because you don't have solid food, equating that to being shallow Christians that we need to become deeper in our walk with Christ and our understanding of that, and when we do that, we will be on solid food. Here, it's not that. Milk is something positive. It is that milk in the honey that God has offered Israel and this spiritual milk that we are seeking. The equivalency for the fast food, what, is, what would the equivalent be for spiritual fast food? What, shout it out. Give me a couple. Music? Okay. What, what could be harmful to our soul if we just focus on that one thing or those few things that can cause us ill harm as it did to Morgan Spurlock, our souls? What's that? Sunday morning Christians, Sunday only Christians? Okay, we leave our faith here, we come and leave it here. That does not feed our soul once we leave this place, that is not our design. I'm sorry? Adultery. That's a good one. All of those things really that feed into our sinful and isolationist and us first nature corrupt our spirit so that that spiritual milk becomes curdled and doesn't feed us it is power, it is materialism, it is lust, it is greed, it is all those things. It is our own superiority. It is only reaching out to people who are like us or who may look like us. And there's nothing wrong with fast food in and of itself, right? I had fast food yesterday. 
It was good. But I don't eat it every day. We know that that has to be done in moderation. Sometimes we go weeks and weeks without. Sometimes if you're traveling, you're on on the road and you can't stop, you, you pick up some fast food here or there. Sometimes it's the trip where you're allowed to have fast food, so that's a part of the journey. I like junk. It is tasty and delicious. It makes me happy. It does not make my body happy. So we know that we have to mitigate. We have to, in moderation, eat fast food or it can take us over. The same thing is true of these spiritual harms that we can do to ourselves, that we can allow others to do to us that keeps us from drinking that spiritual milk, mm, that good stuff that Christ, God, and the Holy Spirit seek to fill our souls with. Can you do that? Can you moderate some of that? That's, that's hard, I know it. But there was a second study done kind of as the next iteration of Morgan Spurlock's just a few years ago in 2018. A professor, Nyree Dardarian, as far as you know, that's right. Dardarian, she's a professor at uh, Drexel University in Philadelphia. She's a nutritionist, that is her area. She decided to take the same challenge as Spurlock, but she changed the parameters a little bit. So where Morgan Spurlock, I didn't say this, he had roughly 5,000 calories a day at McDonald's through his three meals. What, what's the recommended amount? 2,000, right. He was at five. So she said she's going to set her caloric intake to 1,400 a day and save 200 for whatever purposes she wants, which normally, as she said, was a, a glass of wine or a beer. And she ate all three meals at McDonald's. She was not bound by the supersize me rule. In the morning, she would have oatmeal and some coffee. Lunch, she would have a salad. And then at dinner, she would have uh, a Big Mac or fries or whatever, whatever she had there. And so it was a more sensible approach. By the end of her time, she had only gained one pound. All of her body chemistry was still generally healthy and in order. She did not have all of the physical and mental complications that Spurlock had, hitting it head on the way he did. And she said in her article, we have to figure out how to deal with this because fast food isn't going anywhere. That's pretty wise. And if we say the same thing, what are... What is that spiritual fast food that may be corrupting us or harming us? What are those factors? Are they going away? Well, they're not. As human beings, many of us wrestle with a lot of the same issues that can take us over if we allow it. Again, though, that same list that Peter starts and says, do your best to, to get rid of this stuff. And then that pure spiritual milk will come. Well, the professor was right. Fast food isn't going anywhere, nor is sin. But that doesn't mean we capitulate to it. It means that we are actively making a plan just as she did. 
to say, I'm going to seek to be healthy in the midst of some unhealthy that surrounds me. Spiritually, that's where we need to be as well. It's not just black and white. It's not just that you accept Christ and then you, you, you are clean and fresh and never will you be tempted again and the world is a beautiful sing-songy place. It's not. If we're doing it right, it should be harder because we're following Christ. But some of the way that we do that, how do we keep those spiritual, how do we keep that spiritual erosion in place? We move to that second part, that priesthood of all believers. Vicky said it, right? This is the church. Here is the steeple feature. Open the church and there's your preacher. No, that's not right. <laughs> because that's not what church is. Church isn't about me. It's not about staff. It's you. It's your church family. On our marquee out there, it says ministers, all members of First Presbyterian Church. Peter is laying that on us here. One of our Reformation core understandings when we broke away from our friends in the Roman Catholic Church in the 1500s was that we are not and you are not indebted only to me for your spiritual health. I'm here to help you. We walk together. I have a role to play as you do in my spiritual life, but it's not only dependent upon me whether you know, understand, and will meet and walk with Christ. There are a lot of factors in that. The priesthood of all believers means, just as Vicki said, we all have a role in spreading the word of Christ, in caring for one another in Christ's name, taking the word to people who need to hear it, reminding each other in fellowship, in love, that we are all a part of God's family no matter who we are or what we believe. Which means you're a priest, and I'm a priest, and we're all ministers in this together. That idea from a few weeks ago that if you are a Christian, you are a leader. I'll go one step further. If you are a Christian, you are a priest. You are a minister. You are a pastor. Because we all have our calling in our part of the world and here together, and then we go out to share that because we are a chosen people, a royal and holy priesthood, God's blessed children. It might very well be that when we open our heart to Christ and we invite him to come into our soul, our life, our very being, Jesus will say, yes, I would love to. Can I bring my friends into your heart? We always see this as a one-on-one -on -one relationship, me and Jesus. But Christ brings more. Our heart has to be big enough to accommodate those who are in need, those who need to hear God's word in the world and to know that they are loved and know of God's grace and joy and challenge and presence. And when Jesus brings his friends, it is often those who are on the margins, 
those who can be brought nowhere else. This is a part of our calling as Christians. I'd love to come into your heart, Jesus says. Can I bring my friends? Can he? Each of us answers that our own way. And then together, collectively as a church, what do we show the community about who Christ is and the nature of Christ's love and mercy? And do we invite Christ into our presence in this holy and beautiful place and say, yes, and you can bring your friends? I hope we do, and I hope we will. For today, our challenge is just that. First of all, seek that spiritual milk, knowing that that spiritual fast food, that which can bring you and corrupt, bring you down, corrupt you, but with intentionality, with faith, with practice, with scripture, with prayer, with a journey with one another and with Christ, we can do this. And yes, we can beat that mess back enough to feel the presence of Christ in our hearts and lives. And then the second, know that we are called. We are called, each of us, to be a priest, a minister, a pastor, a preacher, all in our own way, in the places that Christ is calling us. There is a story about a pastor who is working part-time and he decides he needs another job, kind of like Paul was a tent maker, and he sees a job at a local zoo. And he goes to the zoo, and don't you know it, their gorilla had just died. Sad. But until they get another gorilla, this pastor's job was to wear the gorilla suit and run around in the enclosure so that children coming through could see a gorilla and think enough that, yes, the gorilla's there. So he's in the suit, he's doing his thing, he's swinging from, the, swinging from the tree, and well, one day he gets a little carried away and he swings over into the, to the lion enclosure. And he starts panicking and screaming and starts running for the side and the lion says, oh, shut up, do you think you're the only poor preacher in this place? I'm not the only poor preacher in this place. <laughs> This place is filled with pastors and preachers and pastors who are called to go out to care for one another in Christ's name, to share the word, to fellowship, to love, to serve, and to make room in our hearts, not just for Christ, but for his friends that come along as well. And friends, as we come to this meal, we are in a place where this is one of those things, a sacrament we call it in our church, that can help get us back on the road seeking that spiritual milk that can fill us and nurture us, refresh us, revive and renew us. This table is not a table of First Presbyterian. It's not Presbyterian. It is Christ's table who says, come and eat and taste and see the goodness of my love, my grace, and my resurrection joy. So all who have come to this table, 
Come because it is Christ who has set it for you and for me.